Hello and welcome once again to another episode of Screen Facts with Jason Davis. Joining me once again on the podcast is my brother from another mother. Oh yeah! Mr. Tim Donnelly. Hello, sir. Hey, buddy. How you doing, man? Good. Welcome back. Thank you. Thank you. It's uh, it's great to be back. I love this. I love doing this with you. I love doing it with you as well for a lot of reasons because uh, we're such good friends, number one, but also because we both love movies. Yes, we do. Before we start talking about the movie, yes. uh, I have to do a shout out and a thank you to your brother, Mike. Really? Yes. He uh, left a really great review on iTunes for the podcast and uh, I really appreciate it. So, Thank you, brother Mike. Mike Donnelly. Thank you very much, sir. Yes, Appreciate son. it. So the movie that we're going to talk about is uh, a classic that's uh, just a little bit over 30 years old. Stop it. Stop it. We're going to discuss The Karate Kid. <laughs> Tim Sun. Tim Sun. Hi. <laughs> so released June 22nd, 1984, directed by John G. Avildsen. Best known for being the director of Rocky. The Academy Award-winning director of Rocky. Yes. And you know, I didn't realize, but I looked it up today, John Avildsen actually directed all but the final Karate Kid, the next Karate Kid. Okay. So he directed all three of the Karate Kid movies with Ralph Macchio. Nice. Which is very interesting. He clearly knew when to get the hell out. Well, the funny thing is that all three were written by the same guy too, Robert Mark Kamen. Right. I don't think Ralph Macchio, based on an interview that I saw is a huge fan of Karate Kid 3. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people are a huge I, fan of Karate I, Kid know, 3. I liked all of them, all three. Mm-hmm. Definitely think the first two are the, are the better. Far superior to the third, Absolutely. yeah. Sometimes when you keep going to the well, it gets drier and well, drier. Well going to dry up at some point. <laughs> and, uh, I think they were, uh, they were milk and dirt there in, uh, I don't know. in part three. They try to make Daniel a bad guy in the third one, which yeah. is a little... Uh, you know what? We're not here to talk about that. Let's talk about <laughs> the far superior yes. classic. The original. The Karate Kid. Oh, yes. and, and you know, I would be remiss if we didn't at least mention in passing, and I mean really fast in passing, yes. the remake that they did in, what, 2010 with uh, Will Smith's kid? I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. No idea. So The Karate Kid, of course, stars Ralph Macchio. Pat Morita, who's credited as uh, Noriyuki Pat Morita because right. the producers wanted to acknowledge his Japanese heritage. Good on him. Uh, Elizabeth Shue. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Listen. I, I wait. I wish you could see the look on Jason's face now. <laughs> oh, man. You know, it's funny. Uh, I watched this movie. I watched The Karate Kid with Sue. And uh, as the movie was starting, I said, by the way, I'm going to be, you know, full disclosure. Yeah, Tim all cards are, on the table. Yeah, full disclosure. <laughs> uh, if I gush a little bit about Elizabeth Shue, you're going to have to forgive me. Oh, baby. And, and you know what she said? My wife is the coolest. She goes, who didn't love Elizabeth Shue? She was beautiful. She was, you know... Oh, Sue kicks ass. Uh, Sue rocks. So amazing. Uh, Elizabeth Shue is great. The chemistry between Machio and Shue is phenomenal. Yeah, believable. Oh, I, I wish so there was good. chemistry between me and Shue, but <laughs> that ain't happening. I mean, so, so this movie is uh, it's released June 22nd, 1984. Right. I was... Um, <laughs> 11 going on puberty, <laughs> and man, oh man, I yeah. had such a thing for uh, for Allie in yeah. this movie, uh, man. For Allie with an eye. was Allie, Allie with an eye. Yeah. yeah. She was great in this. She was great in Adventures at Babysitting yeah. a couple years later, and she had, she ended up winning an Oscar for Leaving Las for Vegas, For Leaving Las right? Vegas, that's right. Yeah, she's a terrific actress. She is indeed. Martin Cove, who's great as John Kreese. Oh, can't picture anybody else in that role. Oh man, he's so good. He's such he's a so scumbag, I love it. Yeah, and of course, the great Billy Zabka. <laughs> who, Your go-to 80s bad guy. 
No doubt. I mean, he made a career. I don't think he set out to do that. In fact, he said that in a, in a panel that I watched on YouTube okay. for the 30th anniversary of this film. Right. But uh, he said, I'll take it. You know, he had three sort of iconic bad guy roles in the 80s. This, right. of course. Just one of the guys. Just one of the guys. Greg Toland. Yeah. And, uh, Back of course, to school. Yeah, and Chaz in Chaz. Back to School. <laughs> He's great. He's Take great in all three movies. You, you elitist fraternity scumbag. Yeah. We're going to talk about Back to School sure, soon. Sure, sure, Coming up soon because yep. uh, that's one of the ones on your list. So. Yes, it is. And right. I'm excited to do that with yeah, you, too. Future podcast. Yeah, so we'll gush about Zabka in that movie when okay. we get to that one. So, <laughs> estimated budget of $8 million. It grossed $90.8 million in the U.S. Nicely done. So, filmed from October 14th through November 25th, 1983. So Ralph Macchio celebrated his 22nd birthday a few weeks before uh, they wrapped filming. Okay. And Pat Morita was 51 when he played Miyagi. So uh, it's kind of interesting. Yeah, interesting indeed. Yeah. And it's it's weird now because you and I are around the same age. We're in our mm-hmm. uh, mid-40s. Right. And I'm a couple years older than co- you. Uh, bah, bah, but who's counting? <laughs> he is. He's a lot older than I am. <laughs> but to, to go back and revisit these movies that, uh, that meant so much to us in, in the 80s growing up. I mean, I was in middle school when this movie came yep. out. And you were in- High school. Uh, you were in- your Early er, high school. Early, yeah, early yeah. high school, yes. Let's clarify Freshman that year, for the home audience. Early high school. Yeah. And uh, to go back and revisit this uh, 30 years, eh, oh man, it's, it really, really uh, just gives me a great feeling to go back and watch these movies again. Yeah, yeah I mean, and, and they hold up really well because they're very well written. I, yes. I, I, I say that, I feel like a broken record when we do the podcast, but, you know, they don't write movies like this anymore. No, they don't. They don't have the human element that a lot of these 80s movies have because... Right. I think there's just so much stress on CGI and explosions and all that kind of shit. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, style over substance. Yeah. Uh, the great thing about The Karate Kid that I learned while watching the panel, mm-hmm. and by the way, you can see this on YouTube, John Avildsen actually had all the people in the cast, they did like a, re- they rehearsed. They basically, he has a rehearsed version of the movie okay. that he recorded and you can watch it on YouTube. It's like 12 parts, maybe more. Oh, wow. He has a channel on YouTube. And you can watch all the rehearsal footage. So it's basically like, almost like Karate Kid as if it were a stage performance. Right, right. Which is pretty cool. I mean, that I, didn't really, I cool. didn't really watch any of it because I just ran out of time, but... Yeah. I had no idea that that even existed, yeah. so thank you. See, yeah, so see, you learn stuff listening to the podcast. Exactly. If you go on YouTube, just you know, search for John Avildsen's channel. Okay. And you'll find all that stuff. Sweet. So he was really meticulous in making these characters come to life. Well, it certainly shows in the oh, movie. You absolutely. can't argue with that. Absolutely. Pat Morita was nominated for Best Supporting Actor uh, for the Oscars and Golden Globes yeah. for his performance. And the funny thing about Pat Morita is that, when, and I didn't realize this, actually, he was a stand-up comic. Yeah. I mean, I remember him from Happy Days as, of course, as Arnold. as Arnold. But he was also a stand-up comic and apparently pretty popular, but they, they referred to him. And I'm going to say this because he said it. Right. So, you know, don't. Don't send me hate mail. He referred to himself as the hip nip. The hip nip, yeah. <laughs> so I should look and see if there's any of his stand-up on YouTube as well. You that's can find anything on YouTube. Probably, I would, I would probably. assume you can find Pat Morita on YouTube doing yeah. stand-up. When he initially came in for this, I think he did a read for Avildsen, and you know he was like, oh, we found our guy. He told like the casting director, we found our guy, we're, you know, you don't have to worry about it. Right. And they were like, oh, Pat Morita? Yeah. No. The comedian, the yeah. guy from Happy Days? Exactly, yeah, exactly. I don't know about that. They weren't too sure. So they ended up seeing other people. They wasted right. a couple of weeks seeing other people. And, uh, you know, obviously that was a waste. Iconic. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you cannot picture anybody else in the role. He just nails it. Yeah. So um, 
in watching the movie last night, I did something that I haven't really been doing, which I should do every time I watch to prepare for the podcast. Uh, I was actually taking some notes. Nice. Sometimes things come up in a movie, either rubs you the wrong way or you think it's sort of funny. Sure. So, so a couple of things that I noticed, and we'll just kind of go down a list. Yeah, if we'll go down the list. We'll talk about specific scenes. Yeah. and It's also things that uh, I think are cool in the movie. Sure. So, Freddie, the guy that he meets when he when he first gets to the apartment complex, he yeah. kicks the door and he knocks him down he with the gate. He knocks Freddie over. Yeah. What a dick. <laughs> <laughs> that guy. That guy's the real villain in this movie, I think. Freddie, huh? Yeah, he bails on him. He just like, oh, yeah. you pick a really nice guy to be friends with, Freddie. Yeah, they kind of leave Daniel high and dry once Johnny kicks the shit out of him on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what kind yeah. of a friend is that? What a nice douchebag. an asshole. Yeah. And, and if you, you notice, I think this is, they make this point in the commentary, when you first meet Freddie after Daniel knocks him down, Freddie is wearing a t-shirt of two pigs making bacon, make, saying making bacon. I laugh every time when I see that. And I don't know how they got that past network sensors when yeah. they showed the Karate Kid on television. Yeah. But yeah, they they didn't block it out. They didn't uh, you know pixelate it or anything. And there Even it is, for a PG bacon. movie, yeah, it's kind of racy because it's clearly a pig humping another pig. <laughs> sure, <laughs> that's great. So the conversation uh, that that Daniel has in the restaurant, yeah. When he's talking to his mom, when he wants to go check out uh, the dojo because yeah. he wants How to learn the karate her. studio. Oh, yeah. it's yeah. all right. It's... And then he's talking about Allie and he says, you know, and, and his mom says, she pretty, you know, pretty like Judy. Oh, she, oh, buries, she buries, buries Judy. Buries Judy? Buries Judy? But I think that one of the cool things about that scene, aside from the conversation, is that, you know, if you're looking between them. Look through the through window. The, through the window, you see the Cobra Kai's in the background kind of yeah. like getting all Pointing excited. at him, and should we go in there after him? Yeah, should plotting. We get him? Yeah, yeah, you can clearly see that yeah. through the window. Yeah, I'm sure most people notice that, but I just think it's a cool thing. That, yeah, that, it is uh, very, very that, cool. You know, the director did. Another cool thing is the scene pretty much right after that, Daniel's riding home on his bike. Yeah. And, you know, you see him, and then in the distance, you see, like, the shadows of the Cobra Kai on their motorcycles Before on the wall. Before you actually see them. Yeah. Right. With the evil music, you know, like, oh, this is not going to be uh, good for Daniel. It's not going to end well for Daniel. <laughs> and then, they, nope. of course, they run him off the road. Yeah. When Miyagi's talking to Daniel about you should be going to the dance, the right. Halloween dance. Well, I don't have a costume, so it, if you have a costume, you would go. Yeah, if, I'm if, the, if I could go as the Invisible Man. Yeah, Invisible Man. Yeah, so yeah. I won't be seen. Oh, okay. And if you look on the wall of Miyagi's shop, there are all the components for Daniel's shower Exactly, costume. right behind him, which so is So clearly cool. Miyagi helps him make a costume so he can go. Right. So then he goes to the dance. Meets Allie, the chicken mm-hmm. breaks the egg on his head. Right. And then he goes in the bathroom to clean the egg off, and then he hears two of the Cobra Kai talking. Right. Johnny's in one of the stalls. And that's here's the thing. These guys are like these, you know, disciplined mm-hmm. karate experts. And yeah. he says, when he first r- rides up on his motorcycle at the beach, I'm done being, you know, I'm an ex-degenerate. It's a senior year. I'm going to make Want everything you to make work. it happen. That's what I'm going to do. Right. Make it happen. And there he is rolling a spliff. Rolling a doobie. <laughs> rolling doobies. Right. And listen. I'm not, you know, prude when it comes to that. Whatever. I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but it just, it seems kind of weird that these karate guys are like smoking a joint, right? Anyway. It was funny. (laughs) And and blink and you miss it, but yeah, Yeah. he's clearly rolling a joint. Oh, absolutely. Daniel soaks him with the hose. Right. And I love when he comes running out, yo, Johnny. Johnny, what's up? The guy in the Spider-Man costume. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But then he's running out of the uh, the school in the parking lot, Daniel. And of course- coming around. Allie trips him with the hook. Yes. From the shower. Daniel's in the parking lot. Causes the four-car pile up. There's a four-car pile up (laughs) in the parking lot. (laughs) And the little bastard just keeps running. He just keeps running. Exactly. He just keeps running. 
But a cool thing to look for is when he's running through the field to get to get away from the Cobra Kai. If you look, and it, it's not even you don't even have to look really carefully. I see it every time, and and it and it makes me laugh every time. In the field, you can see a fog machine. Yeah, the fog machine <laughs> is like right there in the field. Yeah, you don't see the machine, but you could clearly, clearly see it billowing. Fog the, is being pumped from a machine yeah, there. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, they get to you know the scene later on in the movie when Ali and Daniel go out on the date. Yeah. To, to golf and stuff. And, and they go to Allie's house to pick her up. It's just so, pain. Daniel's just so awkward and uncomfortable. Oh, totally. Man. It's painful to totally, watch. Totally. Painful. It's like right up there with John Favreau repeatedly calling the girl in oh, yeah. swingers. It's just <laughs> painful to watch. Yeah. But the house is very interesting to me because I've never seen steps like that at a house. Right. The steps literally reminded me of Rocky, like the museum the steps. The museum in Rocky, yeah. You know, which is kind of interesting because of the director. is directed by the same guy. Right. Then his parents pull up in a Rolls Royce. I find it interesting that Allie is so down to earth, even mm-hmm. though, you know, she comes from a real rich background right. and her friends are all complete douchebags. <laughs> right. They're just snotty I mean, bitches. <laughs> oh, my God. They're the worst. Right. They're mean girls. They're yeah. like mean girls. Yeah. But she's nothing like, like, why does she associate with them? I guess because they're all rich. Uh, I, I have no I idea. Know. But yeah, she's totally not that. Because she can't be, because the movie requires her not to be. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> so a couple of other things. Um, Miyagi, when he's trying to catch the fly in the <laughs> chopsticks. Man who can catch fly in chopsticks can accomplish, accomplish anything. anything. Love it. Um, Beginner luck. Yeah. But you can clearly see the, the fishing line attached to oh, the yeah, flies on a fishing line. Which is great. It's pretty obvious. Which is awesome. And then another thing that I noticed last night when I watched but hadn't noticed before in, in all the other times I've watched this movie was in the fight scenes toward the end of the movie um, when Bobby takes out Daniel's knee. He doesn't want to. No, he doesn't, he want, doesn't to. want to. He doesn't want to do it. He doesn't want to, but he does it. But you can see like all the other guys in the Cobra Kai, including Johnny, are yeah. looking at, at they Kreese. They look at Kreese like, huh? They're looking at him like, this isn't right, man. Yeah. We could beat this guy. We don't yeah. need to cheat. Even when Kreese tells Johnny to sweep the leg. Right. He's like, do you have a problem with that? Uh, no, Sensei. Yeah. Yeah. But it goes back to what Miyagi says, that there's no bad students, just bad teacher. Exactly. No such thing as bad student, yep. only bad teacher. Teacher say, student do. do. Very interesting. Yeah. And that that's followed up at the beginning of the sequel. Yes. Which takes place immediately after the end of the tournament. They go out and Kreese just goes wild on all the guys yeah. for losing. And Miyagi has to go in and save them. Yeah. That was originally going to be the ending to this movie. I did not know that. But- Abelson said, look, you're not going to get better than him kicking then, him in the right, face. Right. I mean, right, that's great. Right. He said that there was a, they did a screening of this and, you know, a woman in the audience raised her hand and said, you know, I want to see Daniel and Miyagi together in the end of the movie. Okay. And Abelson was like, you're right. So that's when they did the shot, the close up of Miyagi kind of smiling I'm at smiling, the end. Smiling, right. They had to do like a whole separate shoot just to get that. But I, I actually liked the, the whole stuff in the parking lot. But yeah, that wouldn't have made sense to end the movie on with that. that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's a great way to start the, uh, the second one. Yeah, a great way, great start for the sequel. Martin Cove actually had some pretty cool insight as to why Kreese is so why intense. He's so pissed off. Yeah, so he, he was saying that in his mind, in, the, in his backstory for Kreese, he was a guy that, that was in Vietnam, and, you know, of course, soldiers weren't allowed to win in Vietnam. Right. You know, we're not going to get too political here, but, of you course, know. Of course, of yeah. course. When he came back and he started the dojo, in his mind, I'm never going to lose again. Like, losing is not an option. Right. So, you know, that's where the whole no mercy thing comes and all that. Sure. That was a theme that ran through a lot of movies in the 80s as the country was, you know, kind of starting to come to grips with Vietnam. And one of the famous lines in, I think it's the first Rambo Mm -hmm. film or or the second Rambo film, he he says to... uh, 
uh, with, Troutman. to Colonel Troutman. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, do we get to win this time, sir? Right, right. And there's a, a photograph of him in the dojo. Yep. And I don't know, was he a Green Beret? But clearly he was the, the champion of whatever uh, military unit he yeah. was in. And his picture is up there in the dojo, exactly. if you look. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it's interesting that he ended up playing a bad guy in Rambo 2, yes. in First Blood Part 2. That's, <laughs> that's right. A, you know, another veteran. Uh, but, another, but yeah. another connection He's there. just, look, he's really good at that. And you got to go yeah. with what you're really good at. And speaking of, of backstories, mm-hmm. William Zabka came up with a loose backstory in order to uh, better get the feel for playing Johnny Lawrence. Mm-hmm. He says on the DVD commentary that he envisioned Johnny as having no father and that sensei John Kreese is really the closest thing to a father figure that Johnny has. And so despite the fact that Kreese tells him to do things that Johnny, uh, Johnny knows aren't right, he doesn't want to let down this father figure who has right. nurtured him and taken care of him. Throughout the whole movie, he's kind of in this trance almost, like yeah. under Kreese's trance. At the end of the movie, I'm assuming anybody listening to this has seen this many times too and knows how the movie ends. Right. If you don't want to have the ending blown for you, stop listening. Stop listening now. Okay, if you're still here. <laughs> so, of course, you know, Daniel kicks him in the face and wins the, the tournament right. and, you know, redemption, all that. But Johnny, it's almost like it's like a light bulb goes off. Right. And he, and he becomes kind of nicer, you know, all of a sudden. He's the one who hands Daniel the trophy. championship You're all right, trophy. LaRusso. Says, you're all right, LaRusso. Yeah. You know, good job. Wait, and Daniel's like, hey, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, it, it's kind of interesting how characters can develop, but... Um, in the panel, you know, he talked about how he, at the time, Zabka didn't actually think of Johnny as a bad guy. He's just yeah. a guy that, like, is hurting because he lost his girlfriend. Right. Here comes this new kid that's kind of swiping his girlfriend from yeah. him. Yeah. And, you You're, know, Daniel, I mean, you know, there's that that, that thing on YouTube. <laughs> have you seen the thing on YouTube where Daniel LaRusso is, is the, the real, real villain? He's not, obviously. Right. I don't agree with it. No, it's but funny, though. It's funny, and yeah. it, it makes you think. Yeah. It makes you think a little bit. It's funny because there are certain parts of the movie where Daniel does instigate. Yes. No you know? doubt. No you doubt know? about it. Which I think is kind of cool because a kid coming from Jersey is going to have a little swagger, probably. Sure. And he's not going to just, you know, get his ass kicked and not fight back a little bit. But, of right. course, he's no match for these guys. Of course not. Because they've been studying with Crease. So. Right. But, I mean, he punches Bobby on the soccer field. Yeah. When he douses him with the hose at right. the dance. I mean, these are things that he could have avoided doing. Right. And, st- you know, and avoided an ass kicking. He have to do those things. Right. But, again, maybe it's the, the whole Jersey attitude. Yeah. If you get me, then I'm going to get you back twice as hard. Who yeah. knows? The scene that Zabka read with John Avildsen... Uh, didn't make the movie, but he told a story uh, about it in another podcast that I listened to. Okay. Uh, it's called Pop My Culture. It's a pretty cool podcast. But um, first off, Zabka actually had auditioned for The Outsiders, uh, which is kind of interesting because Ralph Macchio was in that movie. So yeah. when he first read with Macchio for Karate Kid, uh, he was kind of intimidated because, you know, Ralph was in uh, The Outsiders. So, sure. So he was so nervous, he kept getting a little tongue-tied. Later on, he asked Ralph how he did, and Macchio said that he told Avildsen that all of the Cobra Kai guys that he read with were really mean, but that Zabka as Johnny really scared the shit out of him. <laughs> so he, you know, probably kind of gave great. a good review. But the scene that he read, you know, when he first auditioned for uh, Avildsen uh, was a scene where it was supposed to be him and Daniel, and he goes to see Daniel at like the water fountain at the school and right. give him the death sentence. Okay. The death uh, certificate for his mommy to sign so he could fight with the big boys in the tournament. Right. So it's probably like the registration form, but he called it the death certificate. Death certificate. So as Johnny's walking away, Daniel says, hey, uh, you think he might be wrong? Johnny says, who? Daniel says, your teacher. And Johnny says, watch your mouth, asshole. 
That's like the scene. Okay. Which I thought would have been kind of cool in the movie. Yeah, kind of interesting. Just because it would have been like a cool moment with just the two of them. Right. But um, in the audition with Avildsen, he got so into it that he grabbed Avildsen and he kind of shoved them down into a, into a chair, like to oh make my. his point. Which you know, he said that's something you never do. You don't touch the director or the casting director in the <laughs> right. audition. He just got swept up into he the got role. So into it, and uh, I guess it made an impression because obviously he got. He's the in part. the movie, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, <laughs> he got yeah. the role. He said it was like the first time he had ever been taken over by a character like that when he wow. you know, in an audition. So yeah, he's great. He's really awesome. It, it, perfect. And, and again, you, you really can't picture anybody else in the role. And getting back to something you said earlier, there are a few times in the movie where you could kind of consider Daniel an instigator who doesn't have to get into these situations that he finds himself getting into. And Johnny, I don't know if you could consider him a sympathetic character, but you know, he's 17 going on 18. Like he says, he's got one year to make it all work. He's, uh, he's pumped full of, uh, you know, hormones and right. he's a teenage boy and he's full of angst and, you know, and he I, has these skills and he's got these skills and he's got a teacher who's whispering evil things into his ear all right. the time. You know, I, I get it. I get where Johnny is coming from. I don't mm-hmm. agree with it. And I think he is clearly a bad guy, but right. I get it. Well, I think the the whole point is that the difference between the mentality of the Cobra Kai's and what Miyagi teaches Daniel is that right. you know karate is a defensive art, right? And this is something that again Martin Cove said it's an offensive skill as opposed to a defensive art, right? To to crease where obviously Miyagi has the opposite feeling. Right. You know, you you learn karate so you don't have so to. So you fight. don't have to use it, right. right? When you look at the Cobra Kai, in my opinion, mm-hmm. Johnny's not the biggest dick out of all of them. No, not really. In my opinion, clearly the biggest dick. Dutch. Dutch. No doubt <laughs> Dutch. about it. Yep. I mean, that, that guy that is just. Bleach blonde Hitler youth Dutch. Steve McQueen's uh, Steve son. Steve McQueen's son, yeah, Chad, Chad McQueen. McQueen. Yep. I mean, he's great, but uh, I don't even think Johnny's that bad. Dutch, uh, borderline sociopath. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> borderline sociopath. Yeah. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, the African American Cobra Kai guy. Is that Lamar from uh, Revenge of the Nerds? That is absolutely Lamar Luttrell from Revenge of the so. Nerds. Yes. He doesn't have a speaking part. He doesn't uh, have a line in the movie. No, he doesn't. But he that's... just gets his ass kicked uh, in the dojo and at right. the tournament. Right. Did you know that Daniel LaRusso's original character name in the original script was Daniel Weber? Daniel Weber. And what, they they took one look at Machio and said, yeah, a little, little more vowels. We need more vowels in the last name. <laughs> that's what Machio said. Hey, LaRusso, a little Daniel LaRusso. Yeah. And the Karate Kid was um, the name of a character from uh, DC Comics' Legion of Superheroes. DC Comics actually had to give them permission, special permission, to use the name for the movie. Uh, okay. And they, and they get a little thank you at the, the end of the credits nice. as well. Nice. First scene shot in the movie was the beach scene. The beach scene. Kind of makes sense. Sets the, uh, sets the tone for the rest of the movie. It does, absolutely. The fight choreographer for the film, Pat E. Johnson, is this guy that plays the referee you know, the main referee in, yeah. the, in the tournament. He's the one who uh, referees the, the bout between Johnny and Daniel. Yeah. There's, that guy has a, a pretty interesting story, too. He was a former student of Chuck Norris, and he's one of two actors in the movie that are two degrees of separation from Bruce Lee. Do tell. Patty Johnson was in Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee. Chad McQueen, who plays Dutch, is the son of Steve McQueen, who was a close friend of Bruce Lee, and also one of the pallbearers at his funeral. Wow. Yeah, did, not, so. did not know that. And another karate expert in this movie, the guy that actually invented the crane technique. The crane technique is not really a real thing. It's kind of a fictional-ish Yeah, thing, it's like a crane of... stance that are right. in, you know, in a couple of different karate katas. Right. 
the version that they use in the movie, that was actually developed by this guy, Daryl Vidal, who is in the movie. Who Johnny beats in the semifinals. Yes, he's yes. the actor that Johnny beats, but he also does the stand-in for Pat Morita on the beach, on the stump, when he's when you see uh, Miyagi doing From the- From a distance. On yeah. The, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. That's, that's him as well. Wow. So as a history teacher, I wanted to get your, your thoughts on the infamous Miyagi drunk scene. Yeah which is a very pivotal scene in the movie that almost didn't make it into the movie. The movie studio said that it just kind of broke the pace of the film. It slowed things down right in the middle. But One of the other editors was, was the first person that said that. Okay. But Avildsen fought for it because right. he felt that it was really important. Insisted that it should be in because mm -hmm. you get the backstory on Daniel. You know where Daniel is from. You know that he doesn't have a father. It's just he and his mother who's a single mother. But you don't really get to learn a lot about Miyagi and where he comes from and what he's all about right. until that pivotal scene in the movie. And when I was younger and I watched this movie, I didn't really think much of the scene at all. But now that I'm much older and just a tad wiser, <laughs> I gotta say, it is, going on 43 years old now, mm -hmm. it is my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. And it never fails to move me yeah. uh, that you find out about Miyagi. And he served in the 442nd Regimental Combat Team of the United States Army, was an Asian American unit composed mainly of Japanese American soldiers. They fought in Europe during World War II, and they ended up becoming the most highly decorated unit in the history of the American military. And when Daniel finds the medal, and then he reads the telegram, and you find out that Miyagi's wife and child uh, died during childbirth at the mm -hmm. Manzanar Relocation Center. Uh, two months after the attack on Pearl Harbor, President Roosevelt signed an order uh, that allowed the internment and sending to, you could call them concentration camps, you could call them internment camps, or Japanese Americans and Japanese resident aliens were sent away mm -hmm. for the duration of the war behind barbed wire fences in these camps because they were considered untrustworthy and possible spies and terrorists after Pearl Harbor. God. And when, when Daniel just finds finds this out, it's just this flood of emotion, mm -hmm. and you can see the look in Daniel's face and his body language. He finally gets it, and he's like, wow, mm -hmm. you know, my teacher, my friend, my mentor, my sensei, my father figure, in essence, he has been through some shit in his life. Absolutely. And the scene ends with Daniel bowing to his mentor and to his friend in the ultimate sign of respect and reverence. And I'm telling you, it's my favorite scene in the movie now, and it never fails to move me. Yeah. And that um, that bow, by the way, was something that was kind of added last minute by Avildsen. Mm. He said, I think it would be really poignant for you to turn and bow to him. But I love how he tucks him in, sort of. And he's suddenly the caretaker. And, and in that right. instant, in that scene... Daniel matures yes, so much. That's a rite know? of passage. Right. You know, the, the boy has grown to become a warrior, yeah. as they say. It's, the boy yeah. is now a man. It's a, it's a very powerful scene that I'm glad made it into the movie. Yeah. And um, Abelton thinks that that is probably what got Pat Morita the, um, the Oscar nomination. So. Wow. And you, you certainly could argue that. Yeah, I mean, you could argue it's, that. He's great. Uh, makes it even more poignant now that uh, Pat Morita has since passed away, yeah. if you listen to the directors and cast and crew commentary on the special edition of the Karate Kid DVD, as they're watching that scene, Pat Morita says to Ralph Macchio, oh, Ralphie, that's so beautiful. And then you see Macchio, he turns and he bows to Morita and you hear Pat Morita on the commentary go, oh, God bless you, Ralphie. <laughs> very, very cool. Yeah. They said that he was a real mentor to the other actors. Yeah. Billy Zabka didn't really have a lot of experience. He had done a lot of commercials, mm -hmm. but this was his first film. 
Right. And, you know, he really didn't have a lot of experience as an actor in a dramatic. And he thought, you know, I'm really sucking out there, you know, when he would see <laughs> dailies and stuff. Sure. But, uh, you know, Pat Morita took him under his wing, and, he, and I think he even helped elevate Ralph Macchio's performance, too. Oh, no doubt. You play off each other, you feed off each other, and it's so evident there. Uh, their relationship feels very, very real. Yeah. It's not forced. It's not artificial. Totally believe it. Their relationship definitely carried off screen, too. Yes. They, they were friendly. Yeah. You know, became very, very close and good friends. I mean, they did a couple of movies together after this, too. So. Right. But, uh, yeah, there was a definite thing between them, yeah. for sure. And, like, not for nothing... Who wouldn't want Miyagi as a father figure or a father or a friend or a mentor or a teacher? You know, we should all have a Miyagi in our lives. Who wouldn't want that? You and I, as friends, Mm -hmm. we've had a number of really intense conversations about, you know, for lack of a better word, life. Just life and what it means. Yeah. Yeah. And we've each given each other credit for helping us get through some shit. Yes. I'm, you know, always grateful for that and yeah. uh, grateful in return you know we yeah. are we are uh miyagi and daniel to each other yeah a lot of times we have been very so. much so yeah and i'm sure that people listening can relate to that hopefully you know most people that are listening have at least one person in their life that when they need to be talked off the the edge as they say off the cliff right that can help them with that yeah so. someone kind and wise and caring and giving and by the way and daniel does that for miyagi in return yep daniel is the son of Right. That Miyagi That's never true. never got a chance to have. That's true. Hmm. While we're on the subject of key scenes between Miyagi and Daniel, there's that whole sequence where he's teaching him all the you know the stuff and, and without him realizing that he's teaching him <laughs> the wax on wax off the you know the fence uh, that the, the hair on my arms is standing up <laughs> as you're talking about this. Well, when we were watching the movie, uh, Sue and I both were like, "How cool was this? The first time you saw this movie." <laughs> You know, you're like, what's he doing? You know, he's. Did you he's, see this in the theater? Oh yeah, people went ape shit. Oh yeah, people went nuts during that. Brilliant scene in the writing, theaters. brilliant oh, writing, it's great. And then there's a little humor in that too. Sure. When he finally shows him what he's learned right. without realizing it. Of course, right. Miyagi's smart because he got all that shit done in his house. <laughs> right. <laughs> Miyagi's no dummy. Yeah. yeah exactly. I can teach him karate and I can get some shit done around That's the house. Right. And... That's right. <laughs> First, when he does each thing one at a time, but then when he does it double time, like that, right. all the things at once, mm-hmm. you're like, oh my God. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. That's just great. Yeah, man. It's great. That was great. And <laughs> speaking of humor, if you catch this, after Daniel does it, and Daniel's in shock that he can do it. Yeah. Miyagi bows. Yep. And he kind of looks at Daniel and waits for Daniel to bow. Daniel bows, but he doesn't look Miyagi yeah. in the eye. Yeah, and he slaps Miyagi him in the head. slaps him. <laughs> he slaps him in the head. It's like, I look at I always, always look at I. He slaps him in the head. Oh, it's great. So funny. That, that's the humor. Yeah. Uh, so good. And so then Miyagi good. just says, come back tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, so great. And when they're out on the boat, mm-hmm. when he says, uh, you know, uh, stand on, stand the bow. Right. And he stands up and he bows to and him. And he bows. <laughs> <He's> like, <laughs> no. Get to the end of the boat, you yeah. dumbass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he goes on the boat. But that scene, uh, you you know, from the commentary, they, 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 like one take. Yeah. Because it was like December. So right. So the water right. was that water legitimately was freezing cold. cold. Yeah. When he dumps him in the water. Yeah. So Elizabeth Shue actually took time off from studying at Harvard to shoot the film. Wow. The scene where Daniel's teaching her how to juggle soccer balls. Turns out she was actually really good at soccer. She, right. <laughs> she kind of knew how to do that already, yeah, she, I think. Yeah, um, she kind of was a tomboy growing up. She mm-hmm. had brothers and she played soccer right. as long as she could until, you know, I guess you get to a certain age and you can no longer play with the boys. Right. And then she took up gymnastics, hence the, uh, the you know, backflip during the cheerleading. Right, that she thing. does during the cheerleading sequence. Yeah. And 
uh, Elizabeth Shue's brother, Andrew Shue. Mm-hmm. I forget, what what was he on? 90210? Or no, he was on Melrose. Melrose, 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 Melrose Place. Place. Uh, also a hell of a soccer player, yeah. from what I understand. And local boy. Yeah, they're, they're from Jersey. From Elizabeth Shue. From Orange, I, South Orange. I can't remember. I I, again, like should have looked it up. He went to, I want to say, Maple Columbia High School in yeah. Maplewood, I think. Yep. So that's kind of cool. I, I'm always psyched to hear about the uh, cool people that are from Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know... You think in the movies everything's fake, nobody gets hurt for real, but oh nay nay, uh, <laughs> as it turns oh, no. out, some black and blues. Yeah, Ralph Macchio, uh, he took his share of, of bumps in this movie. In fact, the last roundhouse kick that he takes during the skeleton uh, fight scene after the dance, yeah, yeah, he actually connected. Yeah, he took it connected. to the face. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> he definitely took some uh, some <laughs> shots there. So there's some uh, there's always interesting casting things uh, that you hear about. Charlie Sheen turned down uh, the Ralph Macchio role. Yes, he did. Supposedly, Martin Cove was not the first choice for John Kreese. Supposedly, uh, he was rumored to have replaced Chuck Norris. Yeah, Walker, Texas Ranger. (laughs) Among other things. Walker Cobra Sensei. (laughs) So, allegedly, Norris had turned down the role because he didn't want uh, karate trainers to be shown in an unsympathetic light. Right. As it turns out, he was never offered the role. Okay. Chuck Norris said he was never offered, but had he been offered it, he would have turned he it would down, have turned for, that it down reason, for that reason, right? Which is uh, kind of interesting. So let's talk about the soundtrack. <laughs> so I love off, the soundtrack to this movie, man. The soundtrack is great. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of real cheesy '80s music throughout the movie, like the cheesy scene. music in the, the '80s. What? No, but like you know, Stop when they're, when they're, on, when they're um, you know on the beach kicking the soccer ball around, there's like almost like a Beach Boys kind of vibe, <laughs> right? Um, I cannot hear Bananarama's Cruel Summer ever without thinking it's of Daniel da- LaRusso Daniel on his bicycle. riding a bike on the first day of school. It's oppressively hot. It sucks. He doesn't want to be there. He just got his ass kicked. It has indeed been a cruel summer. Yep. But when you talk about Karate Kid soundtrack, there's really only one song that comes to mind for everybody. <laughs> Try to be best, but you're only a man, and a man's got to learn to take it. <laughs> you're the best. Around nothing gonna ever keep it down. Oh yeah. <laughs> so that all right now that's not how the song goes, but I don't know if anybody listens to this and wants yeah. to hit you up for royalties. Yeah, I can't really sing it how it's supposed right. to be. Yeah, that's why I just did like the yellow best around. That's it. That's all you need. So that song, uh, the music is written by Bill Conti, who does the score for this movie. Of course, famous also wrote for- the music for. Music for Rocky. Right. Full He's circle. Oscar winner for that. Yep. Good in its own way, but I think the Karate Kid is more song-driven. Right. As opposed to score-driven. That's true. Like Rocky is. Yes, that's a good point. And the interesting thing about the song, You're the Best, performed by Joe Esposito. Joe Bean Esposito. <laughs> Originally supposed to be in Rocky Three, but it got usurped by another song you might have heard of a little song by Survivor called "Eye of the Tiger." Ah, that's it. That was it. that. Was that a number one hit? If it wasn't number one, it was definitely top ten, at least. At least, which to me is still one of the all-time great songs. I can't hear that song without getting pumped up. Oh, man. come on, who could? And the great thing about uh, that song and the singer of that song. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a quick little side note: the singer, <laughs> I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, Bickler. Is- is it? Yeah, something like that. David, Dave, Dave, Dave Bickler. David, David yeah. Bickler. The vocalist on Eye of the Tiger is the same vocalist yep. that sang the parts of the Real Men of Genius men campaign of genius. for uh, Bud Real Light. Real Men of Genius. Yeah. Great stuff. Another twist. Joe Esposito co-wrote Hearts on Fire, which is in Rocky Four. Yes, it is. And it's performed by John Cafferty. 
So, so there's like a whole connect, like Rocky Karate Kid connection that goes beyond the director. Right, it's, right. It's pretty cool, actually. That is very cool. The car that Miyagi gifts to Daniel on his Shoes. birthday. Yes. Was given to Ralph Macchio by the producer. He still has it. Does he still really? It. He said it's not in great shape. Okay. It doesn't run, but it's, you know, considering it's a 1948 car. Right. A Ford Super Deluxe, that it's even intact is pretty amazing. Wow, that is pretty amazing. So, yeah, he still has it. And Billy Zabka still has the red leather jacket that he wears in the film as well. <laughs> That's so, great, man. That's great. You have a, a good friend that you spoke of when we did the podcast for The Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Your friend Janelle. My friend Janelle. And when you told her that you were doing this podcast for The Karate Kid with me, she got really excited. Very excited. So let's go ahead and talk about that. And Janelle texted me and said, that movie means so much to me when I was growing up as a kid. I said, if you wouldn't mind... Tell me why this movie means so much to you. And with your permission, I'd like to share your story on the podcast. And she gave me permission. And this is what she wrote. I was bullied horribly as a kid. Kicked downstairs, pushed into lockers. School was very rough for me. Oh, my God. I was 11 years old. The kids were awful. And I went home crying every day. Mm -hmm. My parents tried talking to the bully's parents, the principal, the teachers, but nobody would help or do anything. Teachers would say there was no proof. They didn't see anything. The bully's parents kind of shrugged it off as well. It's just kids being kids. I was broken down with no way to defend myself. First time I saw Karate Kid, I was with my brothers and I was in complete awe. I was Daniel LaRusso. I just wanted to get through my day without some kind of conflict, but it never worked out that way. I was never as brave as Daniel. I didn't go to extracurricular activities or dances outside of school because I was too scared of what would happen to me. So one day we drove past a karate studio and I decided to take a look. We were immediately hooked and my parents signed us up right away. I can't even begin to explain the transformation that happened once I started karate. Before that, I was a shy, scared kid with no confidence. Karate changed everything for me. After a while, I could feel myself coming into my own and I could feel my confidence building. And soon enough, those girls didn't touch me anymore. They somehow knew better. I guess confidence radiated from me and it changed my life. To this day, I cannot watch The Karate Kid without it bringing me back to my childhood. I didn't fight my bullies one by one like Daniel did, but I still feel like I won. I conquered them and my fears without having to fight. The moment after Daniel beats Johnny, when Ali screams and runs toward Daniel to hug him, always brings tears to my eyes. The pride Daniel feels in that moment makes me so happy for him, just as it brings back memories of how I was able to rise above the bullies and become a confident girl who wouldn't take shit from them anymore. Needless to say, that movie had a huge impact on me. And, silly as it may sound, Daniel LaRusso is still my hero. Oh man, that's a fucking great story. Come on. That's a great story. Come on. Thank you, Janelle, for sharing that story with Tim and letting us talk about it on the podcast. I mean, like, like if, if you don't mind, brother, I, I would like to dedicate this oh, podcast yeah. to my friend Janelle. And so it is. I mean, I've known Janelle for over 20 years, mm -hmm. a little over 20 years, and shy is not a word I would use <laughs> to describe her. She's outgoing, she's uh, beautiful, vivacious, full of life, fun, and funny. And so for me to think of my friend Janelle, knowing her like I know her now, mm -hmm. as like a scared, uh, bullied 11-year-old girl, it's just unfathomable and, and disgusting to me. So um, Janelle, thank you so much for sharing your story and for allowing me to share it on the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm willing to bet that there's other people that probably have a similar story to Janelle's. Yes. 
you know, that this movie really impacted them in, in, yeah. a, in a way like that. So you never know, man, what may seem just like a like a, a popcorn feel good movie right. can be someone's it could be life changing, can absolutely be life changing like it was for my friend Janelle. Now, my only hope is that the people who were in this movie hear this <laughs> and yeah. hear that story. Right. I'm sure Ralph Macchio would be moved by that story. Right. It's kind of interesting that she never had to fight. Which is exactly what Miyagi teaches. That's exactly the point of why Miyagi says you should learn karate so you don't have to use it. Exactly. Yeah. So, so but look, man, if, if the highest purpose of art is to inspire, then by Janelle's standard, the, the karate kid is high art indeed. Indeed. And uh, you did Miyagi proud. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. This movie is highly recommended to watch again if you haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. Accept no substitutes. Yeah, don't, don't, please don't watch the, the, the remake. Please, no. why? Why did they do that? <laughs> why'd you have to go and do that? Yeah. So anything else that you want to add uh, before we uh, wrap it up here? I think we're good, brother. I think we covered everything that's, uh, that's worth talking about. I think we're good. And you really can't follow up that Janelle story <laughs> with anything. Nah, maybe we got we got nowhere to go after that. Yeah, nowhere to go after that. Well, Tim, thanks once again for for taking time to come in and and talk a movie with me because thank you I love for it. having me, brother. My uh, pleasure. Awesome. And again, thanks, Janelle, for sharing your story and letting us put it on the podcast as well. Thanks, babe. Love you. I'm sure you have some thoughts of your own about this movie because it's a great flick. Let us know. ScreenFacts at Yahoo.com. If you have any comments you would like to add, you can tweet me at Jason Davis Voice. You can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash Jason Davis voiceover. Please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes. Tell your family and friends about the podcast as well. Please post links on social media and help spread the word. And go to my website too, please. It's jasondavisvoice.com slash podcast. There's info there about uh, all the different places that you can listen to the podcast. And also, redesign Screen Facts t-shirt. Check it out. And if you want to buy one to help support the show... God bless you. And you know you do. You know you do. So thanks for joining us and come back next Wednesday for more Screen Facts with Jason Davis. Bye-bye. Bye.